Hey everyone, and welcome to the pilot episode of A Conversation with Dr. Guy. This podcast aims at demystifying a lot of the facts and figures surrounding COVID-19 and looks to get to the bottom of why the government are doing what they are. So firstly, Dr. Guy, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your qualifications, and why you think this podcast is necessary? Hi, good evening. I'm a GP in uh, Bath and Morsley, Somerset, and been qualified for the last 35 years. Um, the reason that the podcast is vital is that as a GP, I've always felt that one of my main jobs was, was translating medical information to the way that patients could understand and make sense in order they could guide their lives and we could together decide how best to treat their illness or condition. Uh, And certainly what's distressed me mostly about uh, the coronavirus uh, epidemic is lack of information or at least information that comes in 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 bizarre forms that's hard to make sense of. And so it's all about translating it such that we can make sense of it and we can decide how to to live our lives uh, rationally. Um, there's so much fear around uh, the coronavirus thing and, and, it, and it's distorting the way people behave and, um, yeah, it's crazy. So, so that was the reason for, for the podcast originally. Okay. So today is Sunday the 10th of May and earlier this evening we had a statement from Boris Johnson where he highlighted lots of things. Uh, so any high level takeaways from that guy? Well, it was okay. So he said a certain amount of stuff, and but there's a whole lot of stuff that he he didn't say. And to my way of thinking, it was the stuff he wasn't telling us about uh, was was almost more interesting. Um, I mean, just as a, a quick recap, uh, COVID nineteen is a novel virus. It means that we've not come across it before. Um, it, it certainly hopped from the bat population into the human population at some stage. Increasingly, we believe in, in September 2019 in China. Um, and the issue with the, so the issue with that is because nobody up until 2019 had, had come across this virus. It means one, we don't know quite how it's going to behave, though all of us have had lots of coughs and colds in the past. Uh, created by coronaviruses, but this is new, so we don't know quite how it's going to work out. Uh, and it also means that, in in theory, everybody is vulnerable to it. So um, you're likely to get potentially a great big peak of infection um, that could potentially overwhelm the health service. Um, and and so um, that's that's what we know um, over the past three months since it's it's been around in the UK and, and studied more closely. Um, we, we've discovered another other, a number of other facts about it. First of all, um, living in the UK, we tend to spread uh, the virus to about uh, 2.7 or three other people. So that means that if I have it and I'm living in London, and I'm going around the, the tube and turning up at the office and all the rest of it, um, I've got the virus, but next week, two and a half or three people have it, and quite obviously the week after they've passed it on to another two or three each, so then there's nine people have it. So And that's the, the R0. That's the R0 value, and you have to remember that, that number's not constant because if you're living in the Outer Hebrides and, and never seeing anybody, uh, the R0 for the same illness is going to be... Um, 
much lower, uh, essentially zero. You won't transmit in the Outer Hebrides. You don't see enough people for it to transmit. I mean, the key thing about it is we've got to say that actually COVID-19 with an R0 of 2.7 in the UK is not very infectious. Uh, So let's think about measles. Measles is 22. Uh, flu is is five or six, uh, so COVID two point nine, you know, it is not very infectious. And actually, um, we know that you've got to be within one meter distance of somebody for about fifteen minutes to get a decent chance of transmitting. And, and the government decided that we didn't really understand what a meter was, uh, distance wise. And then it thought it would err on the side of caution. So it just kind of magic the figure up of, of two metres. It just picked that out of the blue. The WHO was saying 1.5 metres. Our government just chose arbitrarily two metre distance. Um, but so COVID-19 is not very infectious and it really, really doesn't transmit well outside at all. So, you know, if I know the Daily Mail will tell you about contrails of COVID behind cyclists or whatever, Um, There's not a virologist in the country that believes that actually walking past somebody on a cycle path or a cyclist going past you or walking down the pavement will transmit COVID-19. You've got to be in close contact for 15 minutes or more. Um, So, yeah, that's so it's not terribly infectious and it really doesn't transmit well outside. But you'd never, uh, never believe that from what you're told in the press. The other thing is that we now know that the uh, infection to mortality ratio. So this is the number of people that COVID kills. We always thought it was uh, we always thought it was 0.7 because it it killed 0.7 percent of elderly westerners on the diamond princess when this illness first came into a western which was the cruise el- ship the cruise ship um 0.7 in the meantime we had a whole bunch of junk from the who and who are they saying okay it's it's one percent it's two percent it's three percent it's four percent simply because we weren't testing many people we had no no idea how many people were asymptomatic and actually um, we now know that in the UK, there's a bit of disagreement about it, but the the number of the percentage of people it kills is somewhere between 0.2 and 0.5%, which makes perfect sense because um, we're not an elderly population confined to a cruise ship, kills 0.7% of those. Um, we're, we're, you know, relatively younger, relatively fitter than the geriatric population on the cruise ship. And so it's it's it's... Killing ratio is 0.2 to 0.5. Let's put that in perspective again. So standard flu is about 0.1%. The Spanish flu, so-called because it was identified in Spain, not because it came from Spain, was 5%. And the Black Death, 25 to 50%. So really, we're looking at kind of... I mean, thank goodness, because SARS and MERS, and well, SARS and MERS, you know, a 10% mortality or 40% mortality or Ebola, 70% mortality. So, so this is not terribly infectious. And 
Um, relatively speaking, the mortality rate is low. But again, you would never guess that from what they tell you on the television. I mean, what, so the only reason that we're going through the lockdown, all the convolutions, is just because we're all vulnerable to it and um, it means that potentially, if you just let the virus run loose, it will be infecting one million people a week at this week and uh, essentially three million people a week the next week and nine million people a week the week after, which if you've got uh, a mortality rate of of uh, 0.3%, um, let's say, would give you very substantial casualties uh, each week um, and would overwhelm the health service. But you would never guess that from the way that it's portrayed by the media. And that's one of the things that Boris said earlier today was we are doing this based upon the science, the data and the public health statistics. Is that something you'd agree with? Well, Boris started off, I, he, I was very impressed by the way that he started off managing this epidemic. So um, he, he wanted us to, he wanted to treat us like adults. He wanted to keep us free and, and he, he wanted to keep us informed. Um, and he started off doing that. But uh, Neil Ferguson uh, published this this data showing that if we did that, there'd be 500,000 uh, excess deaths uh, in the country. And so then there was kind of a, a panicky, a panicky U-turn by the government. And that was, that was a great shame because I think Neil Ferguson, with, with all due respect, has a history of drastically, um, so he's a professor of, of epidemiology and mathematics at Imperial College. And so he has forecast a number of epidemics for us. So uh, the mad cow disease, the hand, foot and mouth disease um, and the swine flu. And I think he has overestimated each of those epidemics by about a factor of 100,000. Yes, that's right. So he has exaggerated each of those potential epidemics by a factor of 100,000. Um, with this epidemic, he, he forecast 500,000 and that really forced Boris into a lockdown. Uh, and that, for me, I think um, is a great shame because it has just uh, f treated the, 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 the public uh, like simpletons or like children. Um, you know, Matt Hancock, the health minister, said, OK, the message is stay at home because really... Um, we can't dilute that message. Um, the public will only understand one message, stay at home. They're, they're too dim to understand a second message or nuancing. And actually, of course, you know, if you go to Sweden, uh, where they've just decided to go with social distancing, their results are, are as good, well, in fact, better than ours. And they've treated their, they've treated their population as adults. And, and they don't have a lockdown, but their social distancing is sustainable because everyone's signed up to it. They're doing well uh, and um, they're still able to live their lives with some interruptions and some economic dislocation, but it's sustainable. Whereas actually the idea that we can hide, um, be, be, you know, underneath a duvet uh, for three months or 18 months to wait for a vaccine is, is simply not true. Um, Boris asked us tonight to generate questions from the public for him tomorrow night and he would answer them. Um, so I would say, okay, Boris, 
uh, one question really, why, so, um, you know, why is Sweden doing so well without a lockdown? And the second part, same bit of the question is, um, if we go to the States, uh, obviously they were losing control in New York and California, so they introduced a lockdown. But actually all the states in between, so some 40 states between California and uh, New York, uh, were then, uh, because it's not Mr. Trump's decision, it's the state governor's decision in this. It's very clear public health concerns are under each state. Um, yeah, 20 or 30 states decided they would copy Europe and go for lockdown. And 10 states decided that they would just copy Sweden and, and go for um, social distancing only. And Stanford University Department of Epidemiology and Statistics have analysed the performance of those states that went for lockdown compared with those that went for social distancing. And there is no difference. None at all. Uh, and they would turn around and say, OK, where is the evidence that lockdown is necessary or useful? Because actually in the States, there's so, so the rates of infection have fallen in all those states, but at the same rate. And in fact, Stanford University were only able to determine that, that the key thing for the severity of the outbreak was population density. So if you have a, a state that with a, with a sparse population, they will do better. Um, regardless of whether they're in lockdown or socially distanced. Uh, and then the other thing, we've got the nonsense is, oh, you know, there's England or UK, worst in Europe, blah, 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 blah. We're comparing uh, apples with pears. Um, very difficult. So, um, but again, it's being used to bully Boris into what I think he doesn't want to do. Um, so they're bullying that into to keeping the lockdown. There's no evidence that lockdown works. Let's go to the States or Sweden for that. Um, and, and the reason we're doing badly, if we are, we don't know that we are doing badly because it's counted very differently in Germany and in, in Spain and Italy and all the rest of it, um, is probably just population density in London. So, so London for a long time has frightened me because, because of the high population density. And for a long time, I've been terribly concerned about the prospect of either measles taking off in London, which it is to some extent because of the anti-vaccination campaign, um, but more, more nastily, drug-resistant TB is gaining a foothold in London and it's just got an ideal uh, cultural medium there to, to expand. And I've never understood why it hasn't really taken off. Um, but I guess it will at some stage. Okay. And then, so obviously Boris made a few altercations to the current lockdown environment. Things such as unlimited exercise outside, working from home if you can, uh, and enjoy parks and public spaces without exercising. So that's the now. Where do you see us in one, two, three, four months time? And when do you think... All the things that we're used to pre-corona, such as pubs and restaurants and cinemas, will start opening. Well, the really good news is that um, SAGE were forced to declare that the R0 uh, was below one on April the 1st. I mean, I know they told us about going through the peak and blah, blah, blah about a week ago, but actually SAGE knew that R0 was below one back on April the 1st. So if you recall this... Um, we'd been socially distancing then for since the 16th, so for a fortnight, but we'd only had the lockdown for a week, so it can't possibly have had any effect. So we know that if we socially distance, our naught is, is going to be below one, and therefore uh, the epidemic will 
come under control and the figures will be good as far as the government's concerned and so it won't be under too much political pressure. Um, so the essential thing to do is really get back to work because otherwise there'll be no economy, there'll be no health service. And at the moment, you know, Bristol University will turn around and say if we have a 6% depression, a 6% hit on GDP, then the number of deaths generated by alcoholism and suicide and stuff will, will dwarf COVID deaths. And and I know from talking to my patients and seeing the distress they're in with all of this, that actually we are heading for quite a storm, uh, mental health-wise. Mm. Um, anyway, to answer your question, um, I think the government are going to release restrictions every two weeks because the figures are going to be generally good. Um, so in terms of going back to, to offices, um, that, will, that will happen over the next couple of months because that's going to be a priority and we'll see that the epidemic stays under control as long as we're remotely sensible. He's got difficulty working out what to do for the tubes in London, but for everyone else in the rest of the UK, it's fine. I mean, we drive to work and uh, in our cars and it's fine and we'll just have to search his space. There'll be big challenges for the health service because we're going to have to keep doctors' waiting rooms empty um, so I shall look forward to that. Uh, and we're going to have to keep casualty empty. Um, so normally it's full and rammed with, with, you know, people under the influence of alcohol and all the rest of it. And we're going to have to somehow somehow process them promptly, which, which I think is a good thing. And then, so I know one of the things you've been fairly vocal about in the past is a one-size-fits-all policy in terms of the UK. What are your views on there being an understanding whereby it would be one rule applies to London and another rule applies to the rest of the UK, which arguably has a far lower R naught anyway. Oh yeah, this was just complete nonsense on his uh, on his thing. I mean, I just looked at that inside. So this was, we're going to grade the country between zero, which is kind of, there's no COVID, and five, which is a state of disaster. And we're going to grade, oh no, he's grading each country separately, so Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland a little bit different, but he was going to grade all of England like one one size fits all. And that was such a joke because, um, you know, in the southwest where I am, there's one sixteenth the level of COVID that there is in the southeast in London. So, so as an analogy, this would be saying, um, you know, that in your GCSEs or A-level, that the grade, if you score between 5% and 16 times more than that, i.e. 90%, so between 5% and 90% is a single grade in a, in a no-level, in a GCSE paper. Um, you know, it's not a terribly useful way of measuring it, so I kind of looked at that and sighed. Um, no, quite obviously, if you were going to be efficient about organising this, you would, you would tailor-make the restrictions for each area. Um, and that would be a lot more efficient and, and hopefully that will become obvious to him over a period of time but I, I did okay. sigh when I saw this Yeah, I mean it's difficult to, to address but as long as there's a nice fancy infographic behind it all then people are generally happy with, with the outcome I guess Oh, uh, well a great infographic but you thought well please engage brain Exactly and then finally to wrap things up uh, what's something positive we can take away in the current time, what's something we can look forward to and hold in these unprecedented, of course, times? Unprecedented. Well, I disagree with that because we'd have to recall that in 1968, the Hong Kong flu virus uh, killed 80,000 people and um, it didn't really make the headlines because there was no social media and all the rest of it. So, so unprecedented in modern times, okay. 
Um, the really positive, so positive that, that uh, the r naught is so low, it's not terribly infectious. We can certainly go out with confidence and walking down the street with or without a mask, you're not going to transmit it or receive it from your friends and neighbours. Absolutely fine. In the parks, you're not going to receive it. Just wash your hands when you're home and you're not at increased risk at all. Travelling by the tube and all the rest of it is slightly different. Anyway, so, th- so the process is going to go well. Uh, we're going to recover just fine from this. Um, you know, stay safe by washing your hands, stay safe by socially distancing, stay safe by looking after yourself. Doing lots of exercise. Oh, uh, yeah, exercise is, is great. So at least we're allowed out of the house whenever we want now to exercise. We're allowed to drive and go and get it. So that's absolutely great. So, um, you know, you might think about a surf trip or something like that. Of course, be s- sensible about it. Um, but that's really positive. So you can see the first glimmer of light in all of this. And actually, um, you know, we know that social distancing alone is enough to, to keep the epidemic under control. So that's totally positive. OK, well, I think that's about us for this first episode. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you, of course, to Dr. Guy. Uh, we hope to get something out to you in a slightly more regular basis over the next few weeks. Uh, and we look forward to hearing any questions or comments about the podcast. Please send them in and Dr. Guy will hopefully be able to answer them. Thank you very much.